0: We could lie right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season, you know, we coming off a playoff
1: win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins.
2: You're in a lot of trouble, and maybe it's because well sorry, Ah, <laughs> Suck in Toronto. And because Philly sucks.
0: I feel like I fear Boston most of all out of any of the Eastern Conference teams.
1: Nah.
0: Yeah. 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 Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 77, the Giannis Supermax edition. I don't need to say anything more than that. I'm Adam Paris, co managing editor of Brewhoop.com, joined by Kyle Carr and Riley Feldman. We said we wouldn't record, but I made him do it. So, Kyle Carr, Riley Feldman. I don't know what else to say. Just take us away. Kyle, I'm going to have you go first because you were absolutely on fire today at the Brew Hoop Twitter account.
2: Oh, man. Today was great. I could just be the pettiest person on the face of the earth. I, I have been waiting for this day to be petty like none other. I had some tweets that were saved that I was ready to fire off. Anything that mentioned Giannis leaving. Everyone was going to get the pettiness from me, no matter who it was. If you are a Bucks fan, I was going to let it slide, but everyone else outside of national media, that Ashley Chick over in Miami, you know, all of ESPN, SB Nation, The Ringer, Bleacher Report, all of them were going to get dragged in some way, shape, or form because they did not get what they wanted, which is Giannis staying in Milwaukee. And to them, I'm just going to laugh. I'm going to continue laughing, and every time they have to try and talk about Giannis, knowing that they cannot push some bullshit agenda, it's going to be fantastic. I think this is the one day that Bucks Twitter was able to not rip at each other's throats, which is ironic, because literally this morning, all Bucks Twitter was doing was going at each other in typical fashion because <laughs> of the game. So the fact that everyone was just able to, it was kind of like that's, it's kind of like when you can divert your attention, it's like, alright, we'll get back to fighting each other, but after this guy we got to fight them first and it was great yeah it was it was just a wonderful day it was I did not expect any announcement to be made especially like at what 12 12 30 on a Tuesday after the Bucks just got beaten down again by the Mavericks so it was kind of a nice it was a nice surprise it was great that Giannis was the one to report it first and then Shams was able to follow up on it, and he was the one that was able to write the details of The Athletic, while that bum-ass coward named Adrian Wojnarski didn't get shit, because Woj is a fucking bum, and that's what his ass deserves. And I will say, I have been slandering this man for the last three years, because in 2017, he went on Ryan Musil's podcast and said, well, I don't want to hear it if he leaves in three or 40 years, so to Walsh, I say, fuck you.
1: Good usually stuff. Use, In-
0: usually use the clean, uh, the clean label for our pods. May have to do explicit for this one. That's okay. for <laughs> tonight.
1: <it> <laughs> the biggest thing is indifferent no more, gentlemen. We played it off as best as we could forty eight hours ago. We are no longer indifferent to this. I think looking back. I would like to say that was a coping mechanism on my part, the (laughs) fact that we had all been sitting around. I was like, I don't know what Giannis is going to do. Let's hopefully he signs. But now that we're here, it's a a beautiful thing. This is what being a fan is all about. Um, I I think, you know, I don't even, I almost, when I saw the news, I almost got emotional on my desk at work, I'll be honest, because it's the weight of it that was on our shoulders as fans on the team, I'm sure, even if they've been confident throughout, they knew he was going to sign I mean, that's just so much stress. The guy, you'd see it all coming. We have like the cream baggage from decades before any of us were born, even that weighed over the franchise. You have the next guy up and is like, well, I don't know how it's going to go. We're going weeks into this. You know, the best you could do is just try to be indifferent to the situation to reduce the amount of harm. But when it comes all the way full circle like this, um, you know, I'm happy for us. I'm happy for the Bucks. I'm happy for Giannis. Like, you know, it, it's it's a dream situation to have a guy like him who genuinely can say that he can call and wants to call Milwaukee home, Milwaukee, Wisconsin home. And I think on top of all that, for all of us who, you know, People from <laughs> flyover country, USA. Um, it, we're so used to these types of people moving on to bigger and better places, you know, brighter lights, whatever it is. And so, you know, it has an extra special little bit of something—the fact that this guy decided he came into our community, he became part of our community, and he decided to stay in the community. He decided to stay for a lot of money, which I appreciate. But at the end of the day, he, he could have gotten a lot of money elsewhere and he decided to get that here and be with the team and he said all the right things and it's just it's like living in a fairy tale. That's what today is like. The whole Giannis situation has been like living in a fairy tale, and I'm so happy it's gonna be going on for another five years.
0: It we we have we have been subjected to continuous Uh, speculation from the national media types, um, from probably some local media types who have wanted Giannis to go elsewhere. It's been the constant buzz for probably the last two years now. It's there was the elephant in the room for so much, so much of of this off season too, as we were leading up to the, to the regular season itself, I think you're spot on Riley and that our indifference was born out of wanting to sort of package that away, compartmentalize, and think a lot more about the season ahead it's it's just an incredible moment for all of Wisconsin sports fans. It's an incredible moment for the Milwaukee Bucks franchise, which, you know, a, de- a decade ago was in danger of moving, leaving Milwaukee. Giannis is, you know, the, his emergence has probably played a part in the Bucks franchise sticking around. Probably made some hedge fund owners want to buy the team for $550 million or whatever. And you're right. It's like a fairy tale. It's, it's kind of, we've, we've spent all this time seeing this guy say the right things, thinking like, well, he's saying all the right things, you know, but he's an athlete. What does that really mean? And to have it all to come to fruition at this point and realize that this dude might just be genuine all the way through, like straight through to the heart. That is, I I think just an incredible revelation moment for Bucks fans. Uh, And I think it, I, I think it's just such a powerful moment for all of us to be able to accept this guy who's such a genuine guy. The team revolves entirely around him. He seems really invested in the community. To have someone who connects with the city like that, connects with Bucks fans like that, we are just so fortunate. It's incredible.
1: I'm, like, speechless after all. It's, just, it, it's hard to, like, gather your thoughts because – Part of me has thought this day was coming for a long time and I didn't really know because he had said all the right things. It was like, well, maybe it'll be like pretty ho-hum. And, you know, he he kept us a little bit on the string. I think it's interesting the fact that nobody, like none of the media members really had the scoop. Um, like Kyle said, he just kind of chose like noon on a r- random Tuesday in December after he got beat them by the Mavericks. He was like, yeah, I guess today would be a good day to decide I'm going <laughs> to sign the contract. Um, I don't know. I, I just – you could – even like in the discourse around the team, after two preseason games, um, th- the pressure that everybody was feeling and the uh, way that that was manifesting itself and everybody like, oh, you can read Giannis's body language, he's, he's out – You know, I can't. Drew is. I can't believe we traded all these picks for Drew. This is going to be an utter disaster. And what this means for this season, it's like this whole season, this coming season, is going to be playing with house money. And like I've said before, and I think other people have really caught on to this today, especially, is the fact that this clears the timeline so much for Milwaukee and the fact that. You know what we can talk a little bit about the contract it's for a lot of money uh it, by the fifth year of it he can it's, it's a player option like 51 million dollars or whatever but as much as that's going to constrain the cap situation what matters most is they have the commitment and you're no longer making every single decision with the is this going to make Giannis more likely to stay or is it going to make him less likely to stay and there is a certain level of short-termism you have to have in the NBA because your window for winning championships is really small, but you don't have that extra pressure cooker building up on you, which I think is what's most valuable about this.
2: Yeah, and I think with kind of like how Riley was saying, the indifference of the coping mechanism, I will happily say that the second I found out, I was walking my dog, and once I got home, I immediately went to the fridge and cracked open a beer. So that gives you an idea of I was – I was at the point where I was indifferent, but it was good. And I felt like he was always going to sign it, but it, it's one of those where it's like, you can believe you're going to sign it kind of like how the Bucks ownership were feeling confident about how he was going to say, it. but until he actually gives you that commitment, you you have that lingering doubt that was hanging over you. And to have that change now to have this process of, okay, now instead of stressing out about every single win or loss potentially being the thing that drives Giannis out of town. At least it's going to be now we can go back. You can go back to being a regular sports fan, caring about Canada's team win a championship. We don't have the extra pressure of can they win a championship. And can they also keep their best player? Now it's kind of a, we can re, recalibrate our focus on, okay, how do the Bucks and do these moves to make sure they can get to the championship. Because that's always going that was always the goal, but you always have that secondary goal as well. So for someone like John Horse, he's probably gonna keep his job now for the next five years because he's going to say, Look, I made this roster to convince Giannis to stay. So no, you cannot fire me. Um Boonholzer, however, is probably gonna be in the opposite end where it's like now you have no. Re- you have to do well, or we will find someone to do it for you. So it's definitely going to have some ramifications. But just that pressure of not having to worry about your superstar leaving, it can allow you to have more of a single-mind focus of, okay, now we have five years to do what we can to get this championship. And if we still can't do it in five years, then we can look back at that and wonder what went wrong. But at least now for the short term, and especially this year, this team is all in. This team is going to do whatever it takes to win that championship. And what happens after that, we can worry about that later because now you have Giannis locked in. You have him secure, you know, pending absolute disaster where he wants to demand a trade. He's on, he is a Milwaukee Buck till 2025. And that's something that everyone's going to be okay with. And that's something that at least it gives you that uh, clearing of the mind and kind of that, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? The. It's the ending. What is closure?
1: Are you but looking you, for closure? I mean.
2: like, Conclusion. Yes, you have the closure now of knowing he's going to be there. So that's the biggest win for everyone involved.
0: It's it, it's an incredible moment for John Horst, a man who wasn't even <laughs> in a general manager consideration for the job. Apparently, all of a sudden, gets out, plucked out of nowhere. He's. I think working behind the eight ball, because he's stuck with a coach who sucks and Jason Kidd
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> has to work also work from I would argue a position of not power or whatever, but behind the eight ball, once again, in terms of the fact that the Bucks gave Giannis a four year deal as opposed to the max five year deal because they were basically keeping that slot open for Jabari Parker at the time. So the Bucks didn't offer this guy all of the all of the money available to them didn't tick him off enough for him to leave town. So that that's kind of an incredible story in and of itself. And then Horst is able to flip the roster, provide Giannis with enough, you know, enough belief in his ability to build a winner around him that he's going to sign. And I, I mean, besides Giannis who obviously wins this and fans John Horst comes out of this by far, I think the biggest winner within the Bucks organization itself. Uh, and,
1: yeah, I think uh, what he did is for our wonderful billionaire owners, he uh, he made them a lot of money. He guaranteed it because it was looking, it was looking <laughs> a little bit into the abyss because if Giannis had left, you have to be like, well, I mean, it's not like the franchise would have zero value, but they would have such significant less value than they did if Giannis is around. Um, now, whether or not that's going to make him like job security lock tight or, you know, I, I'm not sure sure about that, but... He definitely bought himself a lot of time, and I'm sure he's got to be cracking open as many beers, if not more, and probably a lot finer alcohol than we are tonight to celebrate. So good for you, John Horse. Um, And I I think the other thing is we started out, we kind of talked about a little bit. There's like the situation with Drew, where now, okay, now we have cleared the decks with Giannis. Now we can look at the Drew situation, like his contracts. Like you said, Kyle, with Mike Budenholzer, I think he's probably like the biggest loser today, just because so many of the moves that were made in the off season roster wise, they were made because Giannis said, I'm I'm willing to do something, you know, unique. Let's think a little bit off the wall. Let's, let's shake things up a little bit. But the main concern with Mike Boonholzer is you can't move on from him because you know, who, who's going to be available to take over. And if you go for somebody who's a total rookie, I mean, that's a big gamble with one season left, you know, and if the guy, if Giannis doesn't approve of him or he's kind of shaky on it, whereas now, this frees the decision-making timeline. And, you know, Giannis is still going to have a lot of big say, I think, in whoever any future coaches are. If maybe Booneholzer is able to work it out, I think that would be probably the the easiest solution if Booneholzer just does it since he's already here. But like I said earlier, there's no longer the pressure to, like, we can't make X move because we have to wait on Y thing to happen. Y happens. Now all the Xs. Now we can start kind of looking through that and saying – what are other dominoes that can fall in the aftermath of this? Which I think has to be another great freeing thing for John Horst, especially to say, and now my one hand is no longer tied behind my back. I'm tied because of the cap situation, but the actual contract situation, I don't have to worry about anymore.
0: I also had been playing through my head a little bit, the nightmare scenario of this season. I thankfully don't have to write this piece anymore, but the Bucks could have been on the balance of – having to face the, you know, the edge of Giannis's contract during a COVID season. And if the worst happens and the Bucks potentially miss the playoffs, if they have players just constantly getting COVID or whatever, and they're, you know, Giannis gets COVID isn't the same after or something. And they, you know, we're stuck watching the B squad and this season falls apart. I mean, that could have been an absolutely terrifying prospect for Bucks fans, but thankfully we don't have to deal with that. You don't have to think about that anymore Big loser out of this is, of course, the Pelicans. You were talking about Drew Holiday. They made a big gamble, obviously, in that deal. The Bucks made a huge gamble. And now, basically, all of those first-round picks that they traded are bound to be not very good. They probably won't. The only one that could potentially be good is that 2027 first-round pick that the Pelicans have, since that's one year after Giannis' potential last deal. But overall, Kyle, I mean, this is exactly what we were all saying After Giannis signs this, it makes the Drew deal seem totally reasonable in retrospect.
2: Yeah, and even that's assuming that Drew doesn't even come back. Like, if Drew decides to sign an extension and stay even longer after the season, then it really makes this deal worth it. Um, If you win a championship this year, it makes the deal worth it. It's just, there was a, it was going to be a gamble. And I understand people are like, oh, you can't make this move because draft picks. And it's like, well, you need guys that can help win right now. You need guys that can help win in this five-year window of Giannis's peak and you know a first round draft pick in the 20s and 30s is not going to do it you need guys that have proven it you need guys that have been here that understand the intensity of the NBA playoffs yeah you might get lucky that one of those first round picks maybe at least is a decent role player you know kind of like Dante where they can come in and they're hopefully able to hold their own but as we've seen with the Bucks drafts history that we've talked about in the past that is not proven to be true for Milwaukee so the fact that you can go ahead and now yes you don't you still have those pick swaps so it's not like you're completely out of the first round you just don't get a better pick if things were to go south and you know seeing how Jordan Wara has performed in the two preseason games and seeing you know Sam Merrill can maybe do what Kyle Corver did last year like you can hope that these second round picks and those late first round picks at least give you that chance But you still have to make those kind of moves for a guy like Drew Holiday. You bring in Brook Lopez and you give him his contract to at least get you through the next couple of years. You get a guy like DJ Augustine, you know, for a couple. You still make these deals for the next couple of years of guys who have proven to be good NBA players. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But trying to gamble and put all of your hopes on draft picks is not going to get you anywhere because you end up like the Philadelphia 76ers, in which case, sure, you got two good players, but now you have to question if those two good players are good for each other and you're contemplating trading them for a guy like James Harden, all the tanking and sorry-ass losing that you did and all you've gotten is the second round. It's not going – that just shows like draft picks do not always equal success. Getting players that have proven to be NBA players will.
1: I think – what's going to be really instructive for how we think about Giannis and the Bucks in particular is we, a lot of people talk about maybe Giannis could be like the Dirk of Milwaukee. Right. And in that sort of situation, guy who plays for the same franchise, you know, a relative unknown who comes to, you know, whatever city in the U S and ends up becoming a local icon essentially. And in, if that's the situation, I know, yo- I know Giannis probably wants to win like 30 championships that's not going to happen. But at the end of the day, what we're looking for is one championship to validate his entire career. And then everything else is just, you know, it's extra over the top. And so like Kyle said, when you're thinking about like the draft picks we gave up or how you have to try and build this team, there's so much of it that you know, this is where I'm going to show not knowing much about like a lot of NBA transaction history before I became like really involved in the league or like really paid attention. But, you know, how many guys when Dirk was really starting to hit his strider as they were getting onto their championship run, how many of those guys were like, you know, draft picks that they had gotten like a year or two before? Because, our, again, the horizon for winning or like really competing when Giannis is at his peak is is pretty much this next five years. And there's a possibility that maybe you get like a draft pick now who three or four years from now is ready to really, really contribute. But that's quite the gamble. Like Kyle said, if you're in the 20s in the first round, I mean, that's a gamble. And and you already have an established guy with Chris alongside you have Giannis now, and so it, it just makes sense to where are you going to maximize your returns for your assets and your way to compete on the floor immediately, and that's going to have to be getting a guy like Drew Holiday and getting him to a an, you know an extension and figuring out from there. So, you know, you're right that Adam that the trade looks a lot better now that the contract is down, um, and and I think it again we've talked about it throughout the off season. This is just how you build teams when you are a contender. You churn draft picks you're looking for veteran guys, you're looking for buyout guys, you're looking for like the occasional undrafted guy or second round guy to kind of help fill out things, maybe you hit on that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just we have to then hope that the front office is able to execute on that. Um, and you can have questions about that. But I, I'm, I'm not you know, like, whoa, to all the first rounders, because that's just not how teams are built. And, and that's okay. That's you know, That's just the reality of the situation.
0: And if you're wondering about, if anyone's wondering about Drew Holiday, so <clears throat> Kevin Pelton wrote a piece on ESPN just talking about how uh, in terms of offering him an extension, so next year he has a player option that he will likely opt out of. So we couldn't offer, the Bucks couldn't offer him an extension that's more than one season until February 26th because we traded for him. Once that expires, they'll be able to sign an extension that replaces the player option and can add up to three additional years with a possible starting salary in 2021 22 of more than 30 million. So won't hear news on that likely until mid season, you know, maybe around the all-star break or something, but I have to imagine that that's horse next, uh, next big piece of business is trying to extend Drew holiday. um, Just given how many assets they gave up here. So, so that's pretty clear. You know, you talked about the long runway. I think it's really important to talk about what that, how that impacts the franchise. And I think most, I think, most importantly, it's going to impact how John Horst, like you said, addresses this team, both in terms of team building, in terms of Mike Budenholzer's job. You're no longer under the gun. You're no longer forced to make every single move that's revolving around will Giannis sign or will he won't sign. You don't have to. We don't have to read into every single. You know, oh, he signed his brother. We don't. We don't. We probably don't have to sign Postis anymore. But you know we what might I mean? that's, We that's might, though. We might still. But you got to get
1: some bodies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, But but I think the main thing is it opens up John Horst to, let's say, you know, theoretically, yes, if we lock in Drew holiday or something, you have this core, you could technically, then you have some big pieces. You don't feel like, okay, we just got to ride this core for five years. If something isn't working after two years, it all matters. All that matters is Giannis. You could technically trade, you know, you could try and trade maybe Drew or Chris, if there's an opportunity uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but there's there's a lot more viable options now that you know you have the centerpiece to build around, uh, and I think even more importantly, like we said earlier, Budenholzer is probably the only loser out of this. I mean, he should be ecstatic thinking that he could have the opportunity to coach the best one of, one of the best players in the league for the next like six years, but I, I don't think it's overstating it to say, Riley, that this year he's probably coaching. For his job, if they flame out in a yeah, even
1: though the time horizon has been shifted, we're still the winning the championship thing is still the short term that is the goal every season. Like now that Giannis is here, especially that's there. There is no other option to do any sort of like you could say oh. So I said earlier that this is playing with house money. And it is in a certain respect because you're no longer playing with house, or like playing a season out with some sort of big unknown at the end of it. But that doesn't change the fact that you know it, what did Yana sign here for? Because he believes or thinks that this team can win championships. And you know, I, I don't see him being the type who would ask for a trade as long as we are competitive. But I can't imagine a guy like Butenholzer. I mean, we tried it. The whole situation is strange because, like, when you think back on Jason Kidd, I mean, he was a dumbass uh, and a really bad personnel manager, (laughs) like, not a good person. uh, And there was a lot of people (laughs) had problems with him. Um, But another key issue was the fact that he had this system that took the league by storm. Then everybody figured it out and we didn't do anything else. And you know what? That ended up getting him canned. And Mike Boonholzer cannot be above that because, as much as we have now five to six more seasons of Giannis guaranteed, uh, yeah, I still want to win a title, and if Mike Boonholzer isn't going to be the guy that gets us there, especially this season, I, mean, I, I think he is coaching for his job. I think I don't know if it's championship or bust. I you know, know, he said uh, at media availability that is not our goal in this franchise. <laughs> That's how they approach seasons. But you um, know, in, in my mind, I think you know anything less than a finals appearance, you have to seriously take a hard look in the mirror and be like, what, what are we doing here with the coaching staff? So um, yeah, I would say him and you know a lot a lot of guys at player options but like you said this outside of the core couple of players is not a lot of guys who aren't like untradeables if you think that it might help in the next year or two years or whatever to readjust things um and and i do fully expect uh you know you were talking about hopefully you don't have to trade chris hopefully you don't have to trade drew um and i think that's why we signed pat connett's into that deal to be some nice trade filler so i i salute you pat for being Giannis's best friend and getting the contract across the line, but I also salute you for being trade filler uh, at the trade deadline.
2: I I did say after the athletic article and how Connaughton was one of the key people in that meeting with Giannis. I said I would not slander him for a week, so I'm going to keep I'm going to keep my word. I will not slander Pat Connaughton for a week. Good job, you did you did well there. I I salute you for that, Pat Connaughton let's move on before I end up slandering him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And if anyone missed or doesn't have the athletic uh, subscription, just really briefly, well, you should, but then really briefly that, that dinner he was talking about was, it seemed to be an up and down affair based on the, the details that came out of that athletic article. So it seemed like Giannis would go back and forth about deciding whether he wanted to sign. And then one another time, at least that's what Shams and, and Sam Amix and Eric Nave's reporting was saying. So Here's, here's one little snippet. On December 10th, the Bucks held what was described as a positive and intimate dinner with Antetokounmpo and core players such as Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Connaughton, as well as Budenholzer and his coaching staff, sources said. It provided everyone the opportunity to discuss the future and build camaraderie entering the new season. Another moment for familiar faces to prove to Giannis their commitment toward him and toward winning.
1: How about that? I like to imagine that Pat sat everybody down. They turned, they dimmed the lights, and he turned on his PowerPoint. Like, here's what I'm thinking for the East End folks. <laughs> here's what I'm thinking. Let's let's remake. Let's remake a third, the third ward. We're gonna change it. We're gonna make it our new. No, I think uh, Middleton's not surprising. Brooke is a little surprising, I guess. I mean, it seems like he's a nice guy, so I'd probably want him for dinner conversation. And Pat, I mean. You have to respect a guy who ingrained himself with a superstar. He saw the dollars, and you know what? Good for him. That's the, at the end of the day, as much as I'm going to hate the contract and whatever he's playing, you have to salute the hustle. And I appreciate that it's so the hustle is so great that we had to talk about it on the Giannis emergency pod because that's why he's going to be around for three more seasons.
2: Look, he he got his bag, and I will always salute players that get their <laughs> bag. So that is I think with Brooke, it was more because he's been with the Bucks. I think after Giannis and Chris, he's probably the longest 10 Uh
1: Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> like, don't don't slander DJ like right.
2: that. But like, you know, there's not that many players that have been on this team for a long period of time. And so, when yeah, Chris being there, that's not surprising. You know, to being there, being one of Giannis's close friends, that's not surprising. Brooke Lopez being there for an extended time that wasn't surprising. You know, it was interesting when it was like, yeah, it was them and the Boone Holes. And I'm trying to wonder, like, what was this dinner? Did they, like, all crash at someone's place? Like, I don't think any restaurant was going to be – like, I don't know if any restaurant was going to be like, yeah, totally go ahead. We're going to break some COVID rules and have this big-ass dinner with, you know, Giannis and I'm assuming, you know, four or five players and the coaching staff. I, I don't know. But that was an interesting little tidbit of that. And then also in between – so it is kind of interesting because when Giannis talked to the media and said his agent was handling it, that was on the 9th. So then this, the very next day is this dinner. So I don't know. And if Giannis was going back and forth, then it's like maybe this dinner was a key part along with the owner's meeting with the agent on Saturday, I believe. So like after all of that, it was kind of – it's kind of interesting just seeing the timeline develop because, you know, for every, you know, Greg Lestrade on Buck's Twitter trying to figure out when Giannis was going to sign, they are saying, well, maybe it was on his birthday – and it seems like his birthday was the day after that first meeting when they made him the offer. So at least then maybe Giannis was in, but Giannis might've also been out. Then he fast forward a couple days and Giannis and not signed, And that's the ninth. He says, well, I'm, I'm letting my agent handle it. And maybe this was when, you know, the ownership group was thinking maybe he won't sign and we have to think of a plan B, but then you have this dinner and things seem okay. And then it seemed like the owners, you know, came in kind of like as a closer in baseball, like they got, they went there to seal the deal because if you're going to be billionaire hedge fund dudes, you better be good at sealing the deal. So good on them for doing that
1: part. I think um, you know the, the, we're reaching the half hour mark, and Adam promised that it was only going to be half an hour, so it's okay if we go a little bit long. I, I think you know there's another aspect of this where Giannis, because of this, he's not going to he, he won't have a true free agency period. And there was you know a couple of years ago when like KB was going through it, or like a lot of guys who get their you know, max rookie extension. You know, if they're sort of like so-so on their franchise, whatever it happens to be, it's like, oh well, they'll be interested in like getting the chance to be sold on whatever their team is. And I, I think, in a lot of ways, this dinner on the tenth um, and whatever else the guys, the team was doing in the background, was their form of like, we have to sell him as if he's a free agent. We have to sell him on like what our vision is. You know, he's a loyal guy. We have to, you know, here's the guys who you've competed with for the past couple of years with, for, with Chris for like eight seasons. You know, Brooke, he's a key part of the team now, all these sorts of things. Um, And so that's not that surprising. And the kind of guy that Giannis appears to be, um, it's not surprising that he would bring in the people that he was closest with on the team and, you know, talk through what what do we envision for ourselves? You know, is this something I can envision for myself being here? Um, And and again, I, I think it's like the ultimate conclusion where, you know, how fitting is it that this guy comes here? And he, he's by himself. His connection is the team to the city. His family gets here. His family gets brought into the city. You know, they become a part of the community. I think it's awesome that you know they're going to be able to stick around. And for it to come full circle, where he sits down with everybody on the team, you know, reassesses over the past eight seasons, you know, what have we been able to build and what can we still build. I think all of it resonates so much with how we perceive and how we understand Yaz to be. Um, and I wouldn't expect anything less. And I think. You know, hopefully it was a moment of triumph for all the people who were at the dinner. To say, hey, you know what, we got this guy. He's gonna, he's coming back. He told them, "Yeah, I'm coming back." You know, let's let's go. Hopefully, win a championship. So, you know, I I just think it's a great story all the way around. Again, it it bow on top of the off season. Everybody should be ecstatic. Everybody should be happy about what happened, and uh, it, it takes a huge weight off all our shoulders. And I'm glad for that.
0: Yeah, Kyle, any any closing thoughts about uh the one of the most momentous days in franchise history?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, for Bucks fans, today is going to be looked at as one of the few good days of 2020. I mean, 2020's been a shit year, to say the least, so at least having one good day is gonna resonate with people. I think everyone that had to deal with the trolls and the national media and everyone saying that Giannis is going to leave or trying to make these points that Giannis should leave are going to have their day in the sun. They're going to be able to laugh at them. They're going to be able to pull up all the receipts and fire their shots back. I think that's going to be good. And I think it's also just a statement that the Milwaukee Bucks have a player that talented want to stay in Milwaukee. And I think between that and, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers having Christian Yelich stay on the Green Bay Packers having Aaron Rodgers stay on, I think it shows that, Wisconsin and you know Milwaukee and Wisconsin as a whole, it can be a place where people want to be if you put the right environment out there and show them that if they have a goal that they want to accomplish, then they can do it here. They don't have to go off to a bigger market. They don't have to go off to somewhere with warmer weather. They can do it in Milwaukee or in Wisconsin. So I think that's huge as well. And to kind of put a bow in it all as a very famous song that I care very deeply about, and you'll never walk alone. At the end of the storm, there's a golden sky. And I think for Bucks fans, that storm is now over. We have our golden sky and now we can just enjoy seeing a player and a person in Giannis willingly and wanting to be in Milwaukee through out the next five years. And by the end of that contract, he'll have been with the Bucks for over 10 years, which is something that this franchise has not seen from a good player in a
0: very long time. It's an incredible story. Riley, anything else you want to say to close it out?
1: I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's, uh, you know, we've... It, I've jokingly in the past been like, as soon as Giannis signs the Supermax contract, he's immediately the, the best player in franchise history. Like, get out of here, Kareem. Um, I think what's fun is like, we'll be able to put that to the test. We'll see uh, can Giannis and can this team, can they, can they do the final thing? Can they get the title and really cement that? Because, like I said, I think it's poetic in a way that, you know, years and years ago at the very start, the team had such a hard, such a hot start to being in the league. Um, it fell apart kareem decided to you know ask for a trade you know it is what it is at that point this kind of old history but the fact that it comes full circle and we have in many ways the antithesis a guy who sees himself as i I am a milwaukee guy and i want to stay here i think you know again you couldn't write it any better um and i want to thank Giannis. it's uh it's going to be a pleasure watching you for the next five years, and uh, I appreciate you giving my fandom another another boost of life here for these next couple of seasons. I'm looking forward to see what you can do.
0: I think we all feel really fortunate right now. Very, very happy that Giannis is sticking around as a Milwaukee Buck. We're going to have an incredible stretch here of Milwaukee Bucks basketball that I don't think any of us would have anticipated when the Bucks drafted uh, a lanky Greek guy at 15. So kudos to Giannis kudos to the Bucks organization. I'm very excited that the team won't suck uh, for the next few years. I'm very excited that the Milwaukee Bucks will continue to grow in terms of the Wisconsin sports hierarchy, which is I think very important because they were in the basement for a long time. So I'm excited to see the franchise grow, I'm excited to see Giannis grow and hopefully he brings us a championship. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at brew There's a lot of fire tweets to catch up on. If you have not, yet kyle was genuinely so good today uh go to brewhoop.com. we'll have more coverage of this obviously and getting you ready for the start of the season so thank you again for listening congrats bucks fans it's a great day for all of us a momentous day for all of us and stay safe and we'll talk to you again soon